0: Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It is I, Chris Denson, your gracious host. I am gracious for uh, for all you people who listen. By the way, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you probably should. I'm at Densonology. Um, I make up words from time to time, so uh, Densonology on on Twitter. Uh, But if you're tuning in for the first time, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, creativity, smart people doing smart things. Um, And today, uh, unfortunately for you... Um hey hide, Hayden. Hiden, damn it. Uh, this is uh you you're, you you didn't quite set a record here. Um however, you want to get a little closer to the microphone. Um uh you are my second youngest guest to ever be on this show. So say hello to the to the folks out there. Hey everyone. Um uh, so for I guess for starters, just give us a little bit of one oh one on on who you are, a 90 second version, and and uh we'll go from there.
1: My name is Haydn Sonad, I'm 17 years old right now. I go to school in Agora Hills, California at Agora High School. Last summer in around June, I founded the company Tesloop, which is a sustainable mass transportation network utilizing Tesla's platform of autonomized, computerized electric vehicles. And since then, I've been working on the company as well as staying in school and finishing that up for next year, which is senior year, getting ready for college working for it probably going to stay in the area so I can stay working on Tesla Um the,
0: the the way you just described the business is a lot more sophisticated than than I originally took it which is awesome. Um where did the idea generate from?
1: Well, since I was about let's say 13 14, my dad had been a really big fan of Elon Musk and everything that he'd been doing with SolarCity, SpaceX and Tesla. So I was really integrated with everything he was doing from watching YouTube videos about sustainability to random Tesla reviews. I really just wanted to do something with Tesla. And since I had a pretty good basic knowledge about it, I originally came up with the idea to lease out a car, which had the happiness guarantee. So after three months, I'd be able to return it if I didn't like it. Right. So I want to drive people back and forth to Vegas on the weekends so I can make up for the lease payments, then have a Tesla on the weekdays so I could look cool at school. But then from there, I spent about three nights just on my computer on spreadsheets, really mapping out the scalability of this idea and how profitable it could be if we had 10, 100, 1,000 cars running in three, five, 10 different cities. And I was just really outstanding about how big this could be. So I was talking to my dad about it. He was in the beginning of a new startup called, I forget the name, but it was about photography. Way to shout out your dad. Uh, my dad's company. I uh, forget it. <laughs> dad's new company, Test Loop.
0: Right. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's, I mean, so I don't know. Well, like, where did you get, uh, obviously, I mean, your dad sounds like he's an entrepreneur, right? It sounds, yeah. sounds like it, Um is that sort of where you got the appetite to, you know, to scale this out? Because I, I can imagine like, hey, I want to I want a Tesla to look cool. And then uh, and how can I pay for it? Yes, let's do some math here. But then the whole idea of scalability, scalability and creating a business where, you know, what made you continue to do that? Because a lot of us have really great ideas and then we don't do anything when we stick with just getting the Tesla. <laughs> um, but what made you like, all right, I really want to create a business around this?
1: There were two events. The first was after I pitched the idea to my dad and he pitched it to the startup that he was in, everyone on that team really jumped on board. They thought the idea was great. So even though
0: you can't remember the name of the the company,
1: they were only (laughs) four days. in. just kidding. just kidding. But, um, yeah. So from there, they really liked the idea. So I instantly had a team of five co-founders that were really eager to help me with this and really smart and supportive of everything. So that was great to start with. So that's, a great comfort net to have. And then last summer, once we went down to the Tesla shareholders meeting in Mountain View, I went up and asked Elon Musk about the future of autopilot. And that was really the first time that he ever said publicly, autopilot or full autonomy will be technologically available within the next two to three to four years, which was really just outstanding because that means that furthering test loop with autopilot, which is Part of our model, we really need autopilot to utilize all of the advantages that made it possible. And that was like, wow, this can happen. We can do this. And then actually, this summer, I went back and asked him about superchargers. And he again really reassured my thoughts by saying that, you know what, free long distance superchargers forever. It doesn't really matter if it's commercial use or not. We're going to give it to you, except for on the Model 3. You might have to bundle that. But he really wasn't trying to attack anyone for commercial use or overuse of the supercharging, which is another big thing that we're doing. So that was the second, really, I need to keep doing this. so, well, so
0: so let's walk, I mean, let's walk through, I mean, you mentioned the model, right? Let's walk through an experience, right? I,
1: as a consumer, I go on to test com, and then what happens? You really just book it like you would with an airline. It's the same similar type booking engine. You We only book one way tickets because round trip booking right now would, require more coding on the engine site but really similar to an airline you book your destination like from to what time right now we have daily routes to vegas we're opening up palm springs soon you select your seat put in your credit card information we'll send you your order confirmation with everything you need to know you show up at your pickup point you get picked up by the test loop take your trip then you get dropped off that's pretty amazing and, and like is
0: it right, and right now it's not autonomous correct or is it because the website says semi
1: autonomous so it's like you're just not paying attention to the road is it <laughs> basically we try to highlight all of our routes to the point where they're over 90% highway use because when you're on the highway with Teslas right now you don't need to drive the car it steers for itself it does braking and acceleration for you and it doesn't let you collide into other cars on the road So yes, our trips are about 80 to 90% autonomous right now, but in the scheme of full autonomy versus driverless cars, we don't have driverless cars because there's no regulations that are caught up for that yet. So there does still have to be a driver in the driver's seat with their hands legally on the wheel the whole time.
0: Um, so, um, and what kind of consumers are you seeing, like booking the routes? Are these business people or are they just like, if you're going to Vegas, right? Like it's like, they could be, it could be business or it might not be business at all. A lot of pre-gaming in the, in the, uh, Tesla, if you will.
1: Yeah, we've definitely seen a wide array of people from solo business travelers to super commuter super commuters who live in one state and work in the other, have to travel a lot back and forth to groups of people going out there to party. It really doesn't matter who you are to use test loop as long as you want a better way to travel between the two cities and then you know what test loop is and you go in test loop.
0: So you, and when you talk about scale, right? um, What are the steps that you are starting to take towards that? Right? Like, is it, are you kind of bootstrapping it now? Are you going after investment money or is it just kind of like you want it organically happening? You have target, like what's the, what's the roadmap for no pun intended roadmap. Okay.
1: Well, once we get our next car, we just ordered a Model X. Once that comes in, and probably sooner as we get more inventoried Model S's, we're going to open up Palm Springs, which is our next route. And we really think that's going to be a giant route for us. Because unlike Vegas, if you're going in a test loop from LA to Palm Springs, you completely bid out an airline in every aspect, from productivity to total length of time to just how much stuff you have to do on the way. So shorter routes are really going to come in handy for us. And then on the general scheme of where we're going to be expanding to, we're going to start with the west and the south because that's where we have good weather. So there's not harsher conditions to deal with. And we have a pretty good early adopter market in this area already. So it's not too, it's not too much to ask people to try to use test loop. They're not going to be like, oh, my God, you're not an airline this isn't isn't what i've done well
0: also it's like there's 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 also just the cool factor right if you were you know ford loop like nobody
1: (laughs) nobody would care it's like there's this there's an attraction there's just something very magical about going into the electric car and just feeling it's so much different than a gas car if you've ever been in one when you press in the gas you just zoom like a roller coaster it's like wow that just it's crazy I was in a model
0: X a uh, few weeks ago mm-hmm. and the guy that had it was like watch this <laughs> I was like why like it was it was pretty crazy like the the speed at which it took off and like I have a degree in engineering and when I graduated from college i I worked at Chrysler and you know I, and I actually worked at an engine and a transmission plant and um very different I mean American muscle car versus mm-hmm. the you know, like you said, the sort of zero to sixty of yeah. of an electric car uh, is pretty amazing. Um, what? So here's here's the one thing that's is pretty crazy. I, I've been trying to stump you a little bit throughout this, throughout the conversation so far, but you are one of those guys that's obviously like super prepared. Um, in fact, you sent me what. Twenty-five questions, which you're, you're the first guest to ever do that. Like, send a questions ahead of time and, and talking points. Um, you know, what kind of student are you, and how does the way you study and you know approach school uh, parallel with the way you approach business, or is it two completely different things?
1: Freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was really dedicated to school. I took all AP and honors classes and I was really engaged with my teachers. Then junior year, I kind of dropped into regular classes after I started the company because I thought that I'd want to spend a lot more time on the company, less time on school. I'd still be able to equal them out. It didn't really work. I ended up focusing a lot more on the company than school, but I still got all my school stuff done. It's just the amount of time I have per day, I can't really dedicate it all to both with everything else I do because I'm also really into golf, so I still have to practice for all my golf tournaments and everything school kind of was there in the background right but it all still worked out well i still finished good grades
0: and does the you know there's there's always a question about how schools are you know built around today's kid, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of support did you get from the school in in terms of like, hey, all right, you're doing this thing. Like, are are they helping? Or like, hey, you better get this assignment done. I don't care what you're doing outside of school. Um, And also, you know, and
1: how does your dad play a role in that as well? Um, The school doesn't really know or care about what I'm doing. They're not too engaged in the students. Boo. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a great school. One, um, I think the only time I ever talked to them about it actually was when I was trying to leave class early so I could go do a interview with NBC and I got into like a 10 minute fight with them because they wouldn't let me and they didn't believe that this was a real thing. So other than that, they've been incredibly supportive. <laughs> well, and so once they found out it was real, it was like, oh,
0: okay. Like what was, did they eat crow? Yeah, they're not
1: the biggest fans of me at the school. I don't know why. They just don't seem to love me. But I'm sure they think it's a cool idea. They're just too busy with their own school stuff
0: yeah no it's it's hard i you know i just joined the board of LAUSD's first all girls stem school Mm -hmm. um it's a girls academic leadership academy and to realize like the amounts of work that the schools have to do versus what they really want the kids to learn you know academically like in classroom and life it's a it's a tough balance it's a it's a tough balance so you know uh, um but that also kind of propels you as an entrepreneur, right? And it's like Reed Hastings started, you know, Netflix because he was pissed off about late fees Mm -hmm. from the video store. It's kind of like that fuel of uh, of being a little bit disgruntled at the system and that that kind of propels it. Um, And then, so like, as as, and then uh, the parallel of that is like, how does your dad kind of play a role or your, uh, you know, your family, do you have siblings and all this stuff? And, and how do they feel about all this stuff?
1: Yeah, I have two older siblings. They're both in college now. I'd say more than anyone in my family has been the most supportive, especially because my dad's helping me work on the company. So he has to be there, but he's been really supportive through all of this. And then my mom has just been, really happy for me that it's going on but she doesn't really see me in action or see me at work ever so she doesn't really know what I'm doing she just knows that it's happening so it's kind of like the differences between people that see it and then you just hear about it's kind of like oh that's cool you did it or like wow you really put work into that you put time like I helped you through this we did it together it's really different between my dad and my mom, but they're both supportive in their own ways.
0: Yeah, it's two different, two different dynamics. What's been the most, uh, maybe one or several, but what's been the most surprising thing you've learned? How long have you been doing this now? About a year. So in the past year, when you first were on your computer, like doing a spreadsheet to like, to now, mm-hmm. um, what has been the, the, you think the biggest lesson you've learned so far as an entrepreneur?
1: I think that when I originally started the company, I had way too forward-looking expectations. Like, I was mapping out the how scalable it could be. And I was like, oh, I'll make, like, $10 million by the time I'm 17 and a half. Like, what? Like, <laughs> this is all going to be great. <laughs> nice. Like, I figured it out. I want to see that spreadsheet now. <laughs> Let me see Let me see if I can figure that out. And Not that the spreadsheet wasn't right. It was just there's so much actual execution that needs to be done to get everything from paper to action. So I guess that's the biggest right. transparency that I had was actually having to do the work instead of just saying, I'm going to do the work.
0: Yeah. Cause once you get in the trenches, you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is, this is a lot tougher than I thought. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a book I like called uh, sun standstill. And in the book, they talk about setting these impossible goals, right? $10 million by the 17 and a half, whatever, or just kind of like, okay, let me look, and the whole book is like, there's a, a thing in the Bible where somebody asked for the sun to stand still so they could keep fighting a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you make that ask and then suddenly the sun stands still, right? Or the business starts to take off. And now you're kind of like, oh, shit. Like, you know, you start to realize you actually have a lot more work to do mm-hmm. <laughs> now that that sort of prayer was answered or that goal was was met. Um, I'm going to, let's see, I'm going to look in your uh, your questions. You have you have a favorite one here. Uh, no, I was just
1: trying to think of anything related to Tesla that would be Here's a good one.
0: What is to stop someone else from replicating this idea?
1: So pretty much we're going off brand name defensibility as our number one leader in why you wouldn't take some other company if they tried to replicate us. Like the amount of people that take Lyft compared to Uber, even though they both came out at the same time, Uber has way better recognition so people just tend to take uber we want to have as many cars in our service in routes before anyone else can copy this idea so if we have a hundred cars running we're going to be able to have maybe five departures from every stop instead of once we're also going to have more options so better scheduling brand name defensibility and then we're going to have all of the cars before other people get them and since teslas are a little bit backordered it's not really easy to just go out and buy a hundred Teslas. You have to wait, you have to have credit in the bank. You have to have a lot of stuff done. So if we have the cars, no one else can really catch up to us in that time that we'll just be exponentially growing while they're trying to catch up. So it really comes down to, we did it first. We're doing it right. People yeah. like us. Uh, that's the, and so, um, in that brand defensibility, you
0: know, yes, like people love Uber. Yes. They like Lyft. for me personally, like Lyft was like, pink mustache in a car i don't want to get in that right like and uber was like sleek and cool and you're like okay and and both of those brands have you know um the the customer that that they attract what is the test loop version of customer service like how do you approach the actual customer experience what do you want people to feel like and and walk away with
1: well unlike uber we actually have a designed customer experience we've curated it with every possible little detail that we think could make the experience pleasant so we're that's where a lot of our emphasis goes all of the pilots are trained and they know a lot about the cars and everything that we're doing too so they can answer questions they're all trained on customer service they're extremely friendly and since it's not uber and we're actually directly managing the cars instead of the drivers We're able to interact with the drivers more than Uber can. So we can say, if we don't like this driver, like they can't drive our cars, they're not going to be good with customers. They're not going to be able to help us out with what we're trying to show people that we are. Right. So we can choose our drivers, which is really helpful for us. But then just the basic experiences, like all the amenities, we tried to give you blankets, pillows, headphones, chargers, healthy food and beverage along the way on the stop. Super friendly which is important. We have a concierge. So basically, you get in the car about five minutes into the trip on the touchscreen in the front. Our live concierge will come in and brief you about the trip and give you all the information. And they're pretty much staying throughout the ground control position over your whole trip. So if you have any questions, you can text them, and they'll get back to you. Or It's pretty much like you have a guardian angel looking after your trip, so you're yeah. never alone.
0: Do they have to wear something? Do they wear, like, a, a golf outfit (laughs) what the
1: pilots we we want to get them like fun little pilot hats maybe or maybe not that'll work
0: but it's a little too driving miss daisy kind of um well you'll figure it out a sweatband Hmm. no i'm just uh, sorry about that (laughs) no it's great i mean that's you know that all goes into sort of design thing so so kind of tell us like who are the other people on the team, you know, and what are they responsible for? Just what does the team look like and and how do they help you? Obviously, you are managing two three different worlds: golf school and business, and obviously, you need a team in order to bring your vision to life along the way. So like walk us through some of the individuals there
1: well, right now, the main team with co-founders are me, my dad, Brian. Those are the remaining co-founders. There were Sarah and Daniel they were doing. CFO and video production, but they have both left since then. We have five more people working full time as of right now, along with five staffed drivers. So, it's not a big team, not a small team. It's like decently mid sized, (laughs) right? But everyone really does their part in helping out with all operations. We don't just have like an assigned. Well, everyone does have assigned roles but they're really they venture out into every aspect of the company yeah. like the drivers will be managing stocking the car along with driving along with customer service along with concierge stuff along with restocking the car and then our vp of operations helps out with driving like my even my dad drives everyone takes time with driving there's no real hierarchy through us we're all just kind of working together trying to get it to where it needs to be.
0: Yeah, um, that's pretty
1: awesome. And then, are you guys
0: actually like how in cahoots with Tesla are you? Like, you know, you've you've bugged Elon Musk twice at least. But, but like, are 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 they supportive of it? Like, is there a relationship there, or you are a, a, essentially a customer with a business?
1: Essentially, right now we're just customers with a business. Tesla does know what we're doing. They they understand that this is happening. But they haven't really fully looked into it. Elon has never personally outreached to us, other than me talking to him at the shareholders meetings. (laughs) Our relationship with the Tesla Service Center at Centinella has been really good, though, because since we've had the car, we've already ran it about 170,000 miles. And in that time, we've had to do pretty basic maintenance. But throughout all that time, we've probably been to the service center ten, fifteen times. So they have an idea of what's going on, and they all really like it. They're like, "Oh yeah, E-Hawk," which is what we named our car. Nice. Is back for like another service because it's the highest mile of Tesla right now. So, is it? Yeah. Oh pretty, wow! Like they just think it's interesting to see how high it can get.
0: So how close are you to the four million? Mi- was, it, was it? Was What's the warranty? Like a four million
1: mile warranty? Yeah, on four million mile. Uh, um, only three hundred and eighty three thousand or three million. Nine, three million, eight hundred thousand. Well, you're in the three million mile mark on your car? No, that's how much we have left. Oh, oh, oh. like, wow, what did did you do? We're at 170,000 right now.
0: That's great. In in a year. I mean, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, What, uh, and that's I'm actually stealing one of your questions now. Um, (laughs) What do you expect the average lifespan of a Tesla car is? And what's up with the four million mile warranty?
1: So we expect the cars to run about four million miles because they have a four million mile warranty. What they also do is give you an eight-year unlimited mile warranty on the motor and battery. So if the motor and battery run out, which are the two biggest operational things they need to get fixed in the car, they'll replace that for free over eight years, unlimited miles, which is basically them saying they'll keep the car going as long as we do tires and brakes. Yeah any other little things that go wrong.
0: I mean, from a business perspective, that's great, right? Like mm-hmm. y- your product is maintained by its entity and, and you know, well, your product is the experience, but yeah. uh, you know, the vehicle literally by which it happens is almost like taken care of for, mm-hmm. for life, for beyond life.
1: <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't even really need them to go 4 million miles, but if it did, it would just make it so cheap. So let's talk about golf. Wh- um, why do you like golf? Ooh, I started golfing when I was in third grade I golfed for like two years. I was doing a little bit of tournaments, but back then it was all just kind of for fun since it was third and fourth grade. And then I quit for a while. I was playing baseball through middle school. Then I got a really bad concussion in eighth grade, so I wasn't allowed to play contact.
0: How'd you get a concussion?
1: I got hit in the head by a ball. Oh,
0: okay. I guess that could I answer that question. I
1: was just turned around and bleh. Oof. So since then I haven't You look fine, baseball. by the way. You don't look like there's any permanent damage. The giant, well- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a lump in the back of your head. Um, so eighth grade summer, I got back into golf so I could go onto the golf PE team at my school. So I wouldn't have to do real PE for high school because you got credit for golf PE, which basically means you leave at lunch, then either go play golf or go home your choice. So best of both worlds. Quite, quite a choice. Hey, either go play or go home. All right, go ahead. And then I was just like, wow, I really like golf. I got decently good at it. I was in varsity my freshman year. And then since then, I've just been practicing, like, every day and just doing a lot of tournaments and playing. Are you good? I'm pretty good. I shoot, like, mid to low 70s. Um, the reason I ask
0: because I think about uh, that's that's, that's pretty damn good Um, I think about sort of like the intricacies of golf right like everything matters your hip turn like the way the club is pointed on and ups I used to caddy so I I know what I'm talking about Um, and you know the trajectory like all whether your head is in the right position um, there's this interesting parallel between that and the level of precision you've done with you know test loop Right, that, that, uh, that sort of precision. Is, do you make that parallel personally, or, or did I
1: just uncover it for you? Well, I think that no matter what you're talking about, if any entity has a lot of aspects, you should put everything you have towards all of them. You can't just go half-assed at putting, but then be a great driver. Like You're still going to lose. Same with Tesla, if I can't have all the cars, have everything working, then when you get in the car, there's an awful pilot trying to yell at you that just makes the whole experience uncomfortable. Like, you really have to make sure everything is in slot, everything's working together in harmony so you have the best results. That's great. Um, So, with your entrepreneurial hat on,
0: you know, I, I think most entrepreneurs have far more ideas than they're able to execute. <laughs> yeah. um, what are some other things that are kind of bouncing around in your head?
1: And you're like, oh, I want to, like, I would love to be able to do blah, blah, blah. Since Test Loop started, like, one thing we really wanted to do was cargo shipping. Basically, once we have the Model X, you can tow 5,000 pounds in a trailer. So we want to be shipping cargo for local businesses or maybe even UPS, something else. Just cargo shipments in the trunk. We want to start ski routes up to like Mammoth, maybe because you can have your snowboard and skis in the trailer in the back of the car. We want to do airline chartering. So you'll maybe take a JetBlue flight from New York to LA. Then you'll get picked up in a test and get taken to Palm Springs because they don't fly there. Right. We've actually already started getting that in works with JetBlue. So that's wow. good. But that's a little bit out right now. It was just one of the ideas I had early that. We've actually been able to act on the other ideas just based on test loop. Can't think of any right now. No, that's great. But no, there just, are a lot.
0: Um, speaking of outside of test loop, the show is called Innovation Crush. I mm-hmm. uh, hope you read the email. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious as to what your innovation crushes, right what do you see out in the world that you go like oh my gosh that's awesome you know uh it might be food it might be art it could be technology it might be social media like what's kind of like getting your goose these days
1: um i think that all right what drives me to keep trying to innovate and further progress in the world is just looking back to maybe 1950 1960 and looking back to the 1500s where in that time a lot happened like you had the industrial revolution you had the renaissance everything happened in that period of time but then from the 50s to 2016 we've had so much more just technological improvements the world has improved so much general quality of life has improved in that time right and it's just seeing how quick that is vamping up because we have technology because we have computers since what I'm doing is based off a technology platform, basically just how much this is going to expand to things I can't even think about right now that will be possible in the next few years. Yeah. I'm just really waiting to see what's going to come out to the public that I can utilize to do something with.
0: That's great. Yeah. It's uh, that's it's a very deep thought. Um, I interviewed this woman who's a futurist and she's also an artist. And so she creates these sculptures and art experiences and does a lot of work in VR and augmented reality. And she talks a lot about the math of like the acceleration of culture. On the flip side of that is pretty interesting. The the fact that human capacity for like what we can take in, although we only use 10% of our brain, it's like our emotional capacity is still the same. So we're, we're almost outpacing ourselves in terms of what we are able to do mm-hmm. and what we can actually like emotionally handle. Um, so uh, so I, I, I don't have a question there, but it's just, just a, a pretty cool point you bring up. How did you get so well-versed on you know, that period or those two periods that you mentioned, like those Renaissance eras and, and so on and so forth?
1: History in
0: school. (laughs) Well, school does. And then in that case, school works, right? Like, yeah, you know, if it gives you that perspective as a business person and as a member of society, you Mm know, um, I mean, I have an 11 year old daughter and I don't like, she does not like social studies, right? (laughs)
1: Uh, in ninth grade, I took a class in school called AP human geography. And I think that was my favorite class in school because it really just analyzed social cultures and, the differences between who we are as people—that was really interesting to learn because it really expanded my mind of what was out there in the world compared to just what was in Calabasas, where I live, which is right. such a bubble that like needs to get popped. And you need to—I've heard it called Calablackless. Blacklist, Cala Blacklist, Cala Bastards. Like those, those Kardashian, two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah, it like, is. Yeah, the Kardashian Capital or whatever. It's not that I don't like it there; it's great there. Like I think. If I could grow up somewhere, I'd want to be in Calabasas because it's safe and school is fun. But it's a bubble and it really doesn't help you with thinking outside the box. So where else do you
0: go to draw inspiration? Like, especially, I mean, you think about a test loop, you get to travel a little bit and I'm sure you've been other places. But like, where do you go to kind of make sure you're getting a full spectrum of perspective?
1: Honestly, I feel that the second I leave Calabasas and go into L.A. to start working with, like, at the office, that's just already a big change. It's, it's not just really rich people surrounding you trying to coddle your ideas. It's actually people in the real world trying to help you and give you constructive criticism. And they're really talking to you like a person, not, like, a kid with an idea that they think will be successful because they came from a good area because they have resources, so that's like a a difference, but for inspiration, I don't really get inspiration from places. I just get inspiration from things that I learn. So I guess Google has been the biggest tool for inspiration because it has all the information I'd ever need. Shout out to to Google. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um,
0: uh, So as we close, I want you to complete a phrase for me. Mm -hmm. You ready? I'm ready. Take this all in deep breath. Yeah, there it is. Um, innovation to me is change to the world. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a quiz. Just like <laughs> change to the world. Okay. No, if if that's the if if that's where you want to settle, I feel like a game show host. If you now you have a chance to steal, um, no, like what? Yeah, change to the world. Let's we can stick with that, right? Like what? I'm gonna rephrase
1: that. Okay, you want to rephrase it? Let's, let's go. Innovation to me is creating something that someone else can use to better their life. I like it. So regardless what it is you create, as long as anybody in the world can take it, apply it to their life, and it's better, then you've just innovated something. Well said, sir.
0: I like the remix. I like I like the remix. <laughs> the ver- the very first time I asked somebody that, like uh, you know, show uh, episode number 1, uh actually episode number 2, I uh, said uh she goes pancakes. And I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> I, I will. and that was I had this big plan like I'm going to ask all my guests the same question. And She like Pan-, I was like, "Oh awful. man." But she actually made she made it work. She said pancakes are like the most plain thing ever. Um and you know, no matter what, how you prepare them. You can always make them your own different shapes, different sizes, different mm-hmm. ingredients. Like it's that ability to be as creative as possible using the basic ingredients
1: of society. I'm sorry for not using a deep literary device. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'll <laughs> the, <I can't>
0: even. <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, yours is great.
0: Uh, the, it, it is. I mean, you know, enhancing people's lives, right? Like uh, what it, uh, Mark Zuckerberg recently said, um, entrepreneurs shouldn't be about creating businesses. It should be about creating. I, I'm totally messing it up, but it was like not about making a business, but like making change, is mm-hmm. what he said. Um, and kudos to you for, for making some change because we got a lot more green cars on the road and I can get drunk far, w- way before I even land in Vegas. Um, <laughs> Drunken bar style. <laughs> exactly. My favorite. Uh, and where can people find out more about Test Loop or find you, um, you
1: know, go scare you on a golf course in a bear costume? I'd say the easiest way to find Test Loop is testloop.com. You can find me at your local golf club <laughs> on the 19th hole. Nice. And then, if you have to reach out to me for any reason, my email is Haydn at testloop.com. How do you spell Haydn? See, this H-A-Y-D-N. is what? Web- H A Y D N. See, you guys, that's why I'm, I mess it up. Um, who's, who decided on the pronunciation, though? My mom, she named me after the composer, Franz Joseph Haydn. She's German. He's German. I'm half German. Half my name's German. Works out. It's a whole other world of questions. Now,
0: <laughs> one last thing before we close, um, you know, at, from your perspective, you know, in the in my world in marketing and big brands is like Gen X, Gen Z, millennials um, as a Gen Z entrepreneur still in school. Um, what advice do you give your peers and or, you know, people older than you that kind of are thinking about taking
1: this the same route? I think advice to my peers, because we're all in the same age group, it makes it easier to give out advice. One thing that since we've been born, we've pretty much been trying to do is make everything as fast-paced as possible. We've had so many different changes in our life, hopefully, for the most part, that you kind of take everything as like a day-to-day, what can you do today? In the 24 hours you have, it's not really going to... you in the future you just have to get things done because they have to get done because you're a kid and that's what you do but when you leave school and you leave your childhood you really have to look at things with a way longer scope because the things that you do in your day-to-day life aren't going to impact you until time goes by and it actually makes a difference so if you're working on something really hard for a year you can't just give up because that was a year. Where like comparative to school. That was so much that you did in that year. This might just be the first 10th of a process. That's going to help you when you're way older, you just have to really grasp the concept that the future is going to come and it's going to happen to you. It's not just the future that's out there. So that's my advice. <laughs> that's phenomenal.
0: I, um, I'm going to, I'll respond to it on the opposite end. Like I I just turned 40 this year and you know, I think, I was one of those 17 year olds who kind of like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was interested in a lot of things, but also like, mm-hmm. I, and I was good at most things. So I was like, Oh, this makes a decision uh, process a little harder. Um, but, and it wasn't until I was 30, 31 ish where I go, Oh, everything that I've done for the past 15 years, is started to make sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Because, because you're just, we're all like collections of our experiences. Yeah. And then, you know, some people like I wanted to be a doctor since I was five years old. And like, that's what they do. And a lot of us are like, I don't know, like police officer. Cause that's what they ask you in school. Um, but it w- it wasn't until like, I got a little bit older and I was like, oh, that's what it all means. And then I was able to like, really, you know, take off from that point. But uh, I had a lot of questions, like, you know, up until that point of like, what am I doing? Why are they, like, why isn't this all working out? Et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. Um, Yes, like realize, especially within the age of social media, where you're like putting your lives on blast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're you're already developing a public reputation. Um, so, uh, so I think that's the flip side of it too. It's like being careful and mindful about what you do publicly because um, it will have some long term effect. And those are my um, Jerry Springer closing <laughs> closing words. You are not the father, by the way. Even though it's Maury Maury Povich. All right. Um, But thank you for joining us, everyone. This has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time.